And again, welcome to all our campuses as we join via video and glad that you've decided to worship with us on this wonderful Mother's Day. I have a Mother's Day message for you. It's a little different Mother's Day message than probably expecting this morning, but it's an important message talking about the value of mothers and of having children. And uh, to set the whole thing up, I want to show you a video clip uh, that I think you will find rather sobering. Research. In order for a culture to maintain itself for more than 25 years, there must be a fertility rate of 2.11 children per family. With anything less, the culture will decline. Historically, no culture has ever reversed a 1.9 fertility rate. A rate of 1.3, impossible to reverse. Because it would take 80 to 100 years to correct itself. And there is no economic model that can sustain a culture during that time. In other words, if two sets of parents each have one child, there are half as many children as parents. If those children have one child, then there are one-fourth as many grandchildren as grandparents. If only a million babies are born in 2006, it's hard to have two million adults enter the workforce in 2026. As the population shrinks, so does the culture. As of 2007, the fertility rate in France was 1.8, England 1.6, Greece 1.3, Germany 1.3, Italy 1.2, Spain 1.1. Across the entire European Union of 31 countries, the fertility is a mere 1.38. Historical research tells us these numbers are impossible to reverse. In a matter of years, Europe as we know it will cease to exist. Yet the population of Europe is not declining. Why? Immigration. Islamic immigration. Of all population growth in Europe since 1990, 90% has been Islamic immigration. France, 1.8 children per family. Muslims, 8.1. In southern France, traditionally one of the most populated church regions in the world, there are now more mosques than churches. 30% of children ages 20 and younger are Islamic. In the larger cities, such as Nice, Marseille, and Paris, that number has grown to 45 percent. By 2027, one in five Frenchmen will be Muslim. In just 39 years, France will be an Islamic Republic.
In the last 30 years, the Muslim population of Great Britain rose from 82,000 to 2.5 million, a 30-fold increase. There are over 1,000 mosques, many of them former churches. In the Netherlands, 50% of all newborns are Muslim. And in only 15 years, half of the population of the Netherlands will be Muslim. In Russia, there are over 23 million Muslims. That's one out of five Russians. 40% of the entire Russian army will be Islamic in just a few short years. Currently in Belgium, 25% of the population and 50% of all newborns are Muslim. The government of Belgium has stated one-third of all European children will be born to Muslim families by 2025, just 17 years away. The German government, the first to talk about this publicly, recently released a statement saying, the fall in the German population can no longer be stopped. Its downward spiral is no longer reversible. It will be a Muslim state by the year 2050. Muammar al-Qaddafi of Libya said, There are signs that Allah will grant victory to Islam in Europe without swords, without guns, without conquest. We don't need terrorists. We don't need homicide bombers. The 50-plus million Muslims in Europe will turn it into a Muslim continent within a few decades. There are currently 52 million Muslims in Europe. The German government said that number is expected to double in the next 20 years to 104 million. Closer to home, the numbers tell a similar story. Right now, Canada's fertility rate is 1.6, nearly a full point below what is required to sustain a culture. And Islam is now the fastest growing religion. Between 2001 and 2006, Canada's population increased by 1.6 million, 1.2 of those immigration. In the United States, the current fertility rate of American citizens is 1.6. With the influx of the Latino nations, the rate increases to 2.11, the bare minimum required to sustain a culture. In 1970, there were 100,000 Muslims in America. Today, there are over 9 million. The world is changing. It's time to wake up. Three years ago, a meeting of 24 Islamic organizations was held in Chicago. The transcripts of that meeting showed in detail their plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. They said, we must prepare ourselves for the reality that in 30 years, there will be 50 million Muslims living in America. The world that we live in is not the world in which our children and grandchildren will live. The Catholic Church recently reported that Islam has just surpassed their membership numbers. Some studies show that at Islam's current rate of growth, in five to seven years, it will be the dominant religion of the world. As believers, we call upon you to join the effort to share the gospel message with the changing world. This is a call to action. Now that's pretty sobering to say the least, and uh, 
I, I just want to say something uh, right at the start here. This is not a slam against uh, Muslims or Islamic people. My dad was a Muslim. Uh, Gungur is a Turkish name. Turkey is an Islamic nation. Uh, he was a great man, a wonderful guy. He's still alive. It's not like he's dead, but he was a great guy. And uh, the whole time we were growing up, never saw my dad uh, curse or degrade our mom in any negative way. Uh, in many respects, he was more moral than most Christians I had ever seen in my life. Uh, not all Muslims are uh, wild, crazy fanatics and, and whatnot. Uh, having said, and of course, he, he did become a Christian uh, some years later after we did. My brother Eddie was able to uh, lead him to Christ. But uh, make no mistake, uh, Islamic values and culture is very different from Judeo-Christian values. And uh, this is something that, uh, you know, as I look at this and as I've been thinking about this over for the last week, you know, I, I get so frustrated. I think, man, well, how come nobody was talking about this 25 years ago? You know, now they're talking about it when it's virtually too late to do much of anything about it. And uh, it's, it's very disheartening. Although, you know, it just kind of points us to the end times. You know, the Bible talks about in the end days, the armies of Russia and Europe are going to come down and descend on Israel and God's going to intervene as part of the final days on earth. People for so long said, well, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Now you know why. See, they don't feel about Israel like we feel about Israel. It's quite the opposite. And, uh, and you're not going to stop Bible prophecy in any way, shape, or form. It's... Uh, kind of disconcerting to see that we're losing so much ground just because we're the first generation of Christians in the last 2,000 years that is literally breeding itself out of existence because we've so listened to the culture in which we live, this Western pagan culture. The reason Western culture is headed for a demographic winter is because we no longer value children. If a young woman gets a college degree, we celebrate, woo! If a young woman starts a promising career, that's fabulous. Let's have a party. But if a young woman chooses to marry and become a mother, we show her contempt and disappointment. Even though a young girl instinctively plays with the dolls and looks forward to the day she will become a mother, by the time our Western culture is done with her, the desire for motherhood has been wiped from the hard drive of her mind. Parents, even Christian Parents now are telling their daughters from an early age, some as early as two. Now they're not to even consider marriage until they've secured a master's degree. Or at least established a solid career. Then even if marriage is tolerated, she's told, whatever you do, don't start a family for several years. After all, we want to make sure the relationship has a chance first and that you are financially secure. Whatever that means. The end result now is women are waiting longer and longer to marry and have children. And by the time she starts trying, assuming she even can bear children at this later date. And by the way, this is a big pain in the heart of a lot of women. Pushing their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, wouldn't surprise me some here today that Mother's Day is always a painful day for them because they just can't seem to get pregnant. Even if she can. Western culture lets her know in no uncertain terms that only a certain amount of offspring will be tolerated, you know. One or two at the max. 
And then there's the unwritten rule, you know, well, if the first two are the same sex, we give you one get-out-of-jail-free card and you can try one more time. Beyond that, women are treated with scorn and contempt if they birth more children. And if you doubt me, talk to some of the women around you who have larger families. Listen to the negative comments and stuff they get at grocery stores and out in public and even in churches. We despise children. Make no mistake, she who rules the nursery will rule the nation. The heartbreaking truth is many don't want our nursery at all. That's how bad it is today. Now the newest message is that due to global warming, it is urgent that the woman reduce her carbon footprint and that if she truly cared about the planet, she would only consider having one child or better yet, none. Indeed, childless couples are the new saints of the extreme environmentalist movement. And Western civilization continues to shrink. Even among some, a day like celebration or a day like Mother's Day has taken on a different feel to it. Rather than truly celebrating the women who have made the wonderful choice to further our culture, to further our religion, to further our nation. It seems as though Mother's Day has become more of an honoring of those who have been wounded. Not unlike honoring soldiers who have earned a purple heart due to the unfortunate circumstance of being wounded in battle. You see, we honor the pain and the suffering of the soldier. But everyone realizes that it would have been far better had the poor soldier not gotten shot in the first place. And Western civilization continues to shrink. If only we would stop and look at what we're doing to ourselves as a people. And the numbers, quite frankly, don't tell the whole... It's really worse, I mean, if you really look at it. Consider the following, as I pointed out in the video clip. Were it not for immigration from the south, south of the border, both illegal and legal, the U.S. would be in the same condition as Europe right now. And while I understand many people's emotional objection to such immigration, at least these people are coming from a Judeo-Christian worldview, and they are much more like the immigrants who founded this country than the immigrants that are flooding Europe. Without immigration, our birth rate is, rate is extremely low. And when you consider that almost half of the children being born today in the United States are being born to single, never-married women, the picture is even more bleak. In other words, as low as our population rate currently is, it would be dramatically lower, but for all the unintended pregnancies. If it were up to the married women who wanted children in this country, it would take no time at all for America to cease in any meaningful way. That's how bad it has gotten. Almost half the children being born in the U.S. today are not even being planned for. And the social impact of half of our citizens being raised without fathers is a disaster waiting to happen, but that's a whole other sermon. Then add in the millions upon millions of children who were never even given the chance to be born in the first place since Roe v. Wade. Children ripped from their mother's wombs and their lives terminated before even having a chance to begin. And not by some invading, warring, barbarian mongrel, but by their own mothers. So greatly do many despise their own offspring. 
Today, many people treat pregnancy like a cancer or a disease. Again, I can understand pagans, self-centered and as narcissistic as they are thinking in this way, but it's amazing. Christian young women today think exactly like this. Treat pregnancy like a cancer. This is revealed every day a woman looks at a, the negative results of a pregnancy test and then begins thanking God that they're not pregnant. Thank you, God. Much like a person would thank God when the doctor says, good news, it's not cancer. Now, while God truly desires the prayers of thanksgiving that people offer, I highly doubt he appreciates the thank you that I'm not pregnant prayer. Unfortunately, Christians in our Western culture are going along with this foolish and short-sighted thinking, and the culture continues to shrink. You want to know if Christianity is really going to have a long-term future? In our worship service this morning, if we were truly thriving as a culture, there would be three to four times as many teenagers sitting with us right now than there are adults. As you look around you this morning, you will find that that is not, in fact, the case. And there would be multiple times more children than those who are worshiping in this room. Again, you will find that it's not the case. And we're a pretty big, growing church. You should see what's happening to the normal-sized church in America today. In most churches, however, you'll not see a very thriving picture And wow, this should be a huge alarm for us. What are we the most concerned about? That our sons and daughters wait as long as possible to marry. Wait, 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 wait. And then even longer to have children. And then when they do, have as few as possible. After all, we want them to be financially secure. Whatever that means. And speaking of financially secure, we are discouraging motherhood by telling young women that they can A, either have a great life filled with financial prosperity, or B, become mothers. This is your choice. This is the picture we're pushing out to our young women today. Christian parents telling their kids this nonsense, buying into the lie of the culture. And like a bunch of lemmings walking off a cliff, we just keep going and the culture continues to disappear in front of our very eyes. And it happens slowly, but it's really speeding up. You know, there's the old story about if you take a frog and throw him into a pot of boiling water, he'll hop out. But if you cook him real slow, he'll stay in it and he'll boil to death. And so our culture continues to shrink. Well, this idea of giving women this choice of either a great financially blessed life or becoming a mother, I'll tell you, the Bible offers no such stark picture. The scripture shows that motherhood is a life filled with great joy and yes, even financial blessings and prosperity. That's the true scriptural model. It is not an either or proposition and you should not be painting one as such to your children. Let's look at what the Bible says about a woman who is both a wife and a mother. This is taken from Proverbs, the 31st chapter. This is the Proverbs 31 woman, the ideal woman we talk of in the scriptures. He writes, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. 
She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. Remember the servant girls. We'll talk again about that in a second. But what does this woman do? She considers a field and buys it. (gasps) What? She's into real estate? Oh, I, I didn't know you could do both. I, didn't know, I thought it was one or the other, you know. And make no mistake, evangelical Christians, in their effort to fight against an overly consumeristic, narcissistic culture, have gone so far to the other extreme. We have helped create the stark picture of either or. Evangelical Christians, for as long as I can remember, have taught that the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, is, well, she stays at home and she's with her children and she doesn't work outside the house. Oh, you've all heard this, right, from all the... Christian pastors are very conservative ones and say, yeah, you need to be like the Bible. I think, what Bible are you reading? I've had women sit in my office, tears running down their face. I, I wish I was a, 30, a Proverbs 31 woman. So what makes you think you're not? Oh, because I'm working outside the house. I go, have you read Proverbs 31? No, seriously, people. When a pastor tells you A, B, or C, even if it's me, you ought to go look for yourself and see if it really says A, B, or C. Well, we don't. Some pastor on TV says, well, the Bible says ABC. We go, oh, the Bible says ABC. <laughs> and sometimes they're just flat out wrong. I mean, I would never be wrong. <laughs> but just say something, people just take as, as straight up. And I think to take this verse of Scripture and to have it preached for decades that women should not work outside the house. What, are you on drugs? How can you see that? She considers a field and buys it. And then she makes so much money, she starts a second business. She plants a vineyard. Why no? <laughs> and now let me ask you a question. If she's out there selling property, making money, starting another business, planting a vineyard, and she has servant girls at home, who do you think is watching her children? Let me ask you, if you had servant girls at home, who would watch your children? The servant girls! Stop this guilt trip. Well, you're going to be with your children 24 hours a day. Now, granted, you want to make sure that they're in the best possible environment. And sure, you don't want to just live your whole life so busy out in the world that you, you miss your whole children growing up. I get that. But this is extreme. Either or is nonsense. This woman wasn't with her children 24 hours 7. That's why she was still sane. <laughs> Good grief. All the Bible teaches you should never... Really? What Bible? I'm not sure what translations people are reading. She sets out about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable. She's making a bunch of money. Her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the staff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She's always busy. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Why? Because she's doing so well, she can give to others. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. That's for all the Green Bay people. They remember us in Wisconsin in the Bible. For all of them that are clothed in scarlet, she makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate. What does he do? He takes a seat among the elders. He sits on his butt. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, I'm sure it was something important. <laughs> but you got to admit, this is pretty funny. <laughs> you know, this woman's out there. She's running businesses. She's taking the world by storm. Da, da, da. What's dad do? He sits on his butt. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days to come. Ha, ha, ha. I'll be higher than that. (laughs) She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and I promise you, these women had lots of children. She did all this with lots of children. They were building their culture. They were building their values. They were building their nation. It's how you get the nations of the world today. They weren't like us. Her many children rise and call her blessed. And her husband also and he praises her. Many women do noble things, he says, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. This is the picture of a successful woman. This is a biblical picture. This is a picture of a woman who is helping to change the world. And change the world not just because of what she does with her hands but because of the children she will bring into the world that will carry on her values and beliefs. Seriously, the opportunity before us, if people would get this message, and and, and it's not getting out there. I mean, I was grateful to hear these clips. This clip, by the way, you can get this on YouTube. But even this Christian organization, they missed the point, in my opinion. This is a call to action. You need to witness to more people. They still, no one is crying Hey, let's start valuing children and have bigger families as people of faith. You realize that if people across America, just Christians, would get this message, we could dominate this country in 20, 25 years. Just outbreed the heathens, man. They ain't doing it. (laughs) But no, no, no. We want a bigger TV and I got to get this first and that first and this first and that first and Listen to me, when we die, it is highly unlikely that people remember what we did for a living. No, it will be our children that will be our greatest contribution to the kingdom of God, to our nation, and to our culture. It will be our children that will carry on the memory of who we were, not our checkbooks. Today, let's celebrate motherhood. Not as some sad, inconvenient pain as a war hero. But as someone who willfully chose life. Let's celebrate life today. And let's start holding up marriage and parenthood as the ideal life the scriptures tell us about. And some of you parents, you really have to reevaluate. I am challenged. I've done this before and I will challenge you again. Because I know despite what I say, because I hear you argue with me. Despite what I say, you're still telling your children, no, no, don't get married too young. Don't get married. You gotta have a career for us. Yeah, how's how's that working for us? How's that working for us? As our church is continual to age, and there's always gonna be more adults than there are teens and there are children. And 
How about we start holding up marriage and parenthood as the ideal life, like the scripture says, for our women? And work intentionally to destroy this myth that marriage and parenthood is some horrible kind of inconvenience that should be avoided or delayed at all cost. Sadly, as we look at these statistics this morning, I honestly do not believe we can turn back the elimination of Western civilization. It is too late for that. And I know this has got to be the most depressing Mother's Day message you've ever heard in your life. (laughs) But it is what it is. It's pretty much over with. Oh, it'll take a hundred years to play out maybe, but unless something really changes, at least as people of faith, let's make a strong stand. Let's try and have as much influence in our nation as possible. We can promote larger, healthier families among those who call themselves Christian. And the stronger our Christian culture is, the more likely we will have a positive effect on our future world, no matter what that world looks like. The sad truth is, is this incredible civilization that has been built over the last numerous decades is fading quickly. It won't be the same for our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids as it has been for us. And I think that's a shame. Again, my heart breaks. How come no one ever talked? I I never heard stuff like this. Did anybody do the math 25 years ago? Apparently not. But whatever the world looks like, and let's face it, at some point, this is all coming to an end anyway. Jesus is coming back. This will not continue to go on. But whatever the world looks like, let's leave strong, confident people. Let's, let's build our values into the next generation. Let's start to cherish and value and desire children and to cherish them. I'm going to invite the ushers at this time and the musicians get ready to serve a communion at all the different campuses. You guys can get ready to come back. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world. This was his motivating factor. God so loved the world. Another way you could translate it, quite frankly, is God so desired children that he sent his son, Jesus, into the earth. That he would become the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for all sacrifices, who would take away the sins of the world. Jesus on that cross took what he did not deserve so you and I could get what we do not deserve and that is forgiveness of our sins. My question to you this morning is have you taken part of that forgiveness? Have you experienced Christ in your life? We're about to pray a prayer together and if you're willing to turn away from what's wrong in your life and put your trust in this wonderful God, put your trust and ask Jesus Christ into your life, you can experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. It's quite wonderful. It is fabulous. And it's incredibly empowering. But you have to take the first steps of faith. It won't just happen because you go to church once in a while. You know, sitting in church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the garage will turn you into a car. You actually have to do something on the inside. 
We're going to ask everyone to bow their heads right now with us. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer with us. But if you've never taken that step of faith in your life, if you'll pray this prayer with us and really mean it, you can begin your faith life this morning. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.